Well, hi. It's uh, lovely to talk to you. My name is Angela Sawyer, and I'm here with Ken Green. And uh, this is the second episode of a podcast called The Naval Case. Today, we are at the Harvard Art Museums. Uh, which it turns out is not one museum, it's like four of them all stuffed into one building. Which is a thing that uh, happens sometimes when uh, universities decide to open art museums and they just give people random buildings to put them in. <laughs> yeah, but you would think uh, Harvard, would... as, as, as wealthy as they are, could afford to space it out a little. Yeah, you know, we got yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I'm Angela Sawyer. This is Ken Green. This podcast is The Naval Gaze. And what we do is we t go around to art museums, mostly in Boston, but also in New England sometimes, and we tell you whether art is stinky or not. That is Plus our, knows better than our us. idea. Because we are totally unqualified to do that. And uh, so we can give you the, um, the real talk version of what's going on <laughs> in art museums. And we're doing it from Harvard. <laughs> So today we're at Harvard, fancy place, yeah, fanciest place in the world. University in the world produce more capitalist devils than anyone else. <laughs> now, I don't know about you, but I've lived next to Harvard my entire adult life. So I have given directions to lost students at Harvard for most of my life, and I found out that most Harvard students are as dumb as everyone else. And that's one of those things that you only know if you live near or went to Harvard. Oh, God, I know that. I'm sure the same is true for MIT. I'm sure it's like that. Yes. You know, sure, I can split an atom, but I don't know how to catch the right bus to take me downtown. No one knows train. those things. Yeah. That's, it's, kind of, it's kind of nice to realize that everyone is dumb, but also sad. <laughs> one of my favorite quotes I learned years ago, um, everyone is... Uh, Stupid, but only in different subjects. Yes. And you know where I got that quote? Where? From a package of Chuckles candy. <laughs> they used to put little cards underneath the candy and have like a little quote. How egalitarian of them. I know. And it stuck with me. So wherever you are, Mr. Chuckles, was that his name? The Chuckles man. Yeah. Thank you very much for that. Perfect. Stuck with me forever. So the Harvard Art Museum is um, a big academic building uh, that has been re like a big old 200-year-old building that has sort of been rebuilt on the inside. Uh, but they didn't change it structurally. It's just nicer. <laughs> so they have very nice uh, benches and, um, you know, handles on things and white walls with hard corners. Handles? handles? You look for you look for a good museum as a handle? Yeah, a I look for a good stainless steel handle on a door. I, I do, actually. It's because I've worked in a building for the past couple of years where all the doorknobs are missing. It's a building designed by I.M. Pei, and he decided it would be really cool looking if he took away all the really damn cool doorknobs. And a fire hazard, I probably And it's would a add, huge yeah. pain in the ass for everyone in the building. It's so unergonomic. How could he get away with that? I know he's an artist. It was the but... 80s. The building was made in the 80s, and everybody was like, wow, that looks so cool. And they didn't think about the fact that you were going to have to be in it with no doorknobs. <laughs> so I do actually look for useful stuff in buildings now. Anyway. Uh, Harvard Art Museum is a really 
It's actually a bunch of little rooms all connected together by uh, like an indoor courtyard with uh, tables and a little cafe. And the most famous of those museums is called the Fog, but it's basically just one corner of the building and the other corners are also there. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> they kind of like spread, like I said, spread it out, but didn't really, it, it's not totally cohesive. It's cohesive in the sense that there's art in the rooms. Yeah, yeah, it's That's basically four it. corners and then the center. And there's a lot more here than I expected. There's a, an exhibit of early Chinese art, of Buddhist sculptures, a whole section of contemporary art, uh, a whole section of 19th and 20th century paintings, uh, and then there's also the like particular exhibits that they just have right now, uh, which in, there's so much, it's kind of amazing. And the there's a whole second floor that we didn't even visit with 17th and 18th century paintings. And uh, these are big names. I thought it was like, not like they just some, you know, Random art schmo. No, these are like the, your, your pocket Picasso's. Your, yeah, I was impressed that you can like basically walk in off the street and ten seconds later wander your way in front of a man. That's yeah, kind no, of these cool. are like the high muckety mucks of art, and muckety muck is the official title of a famous I'm with artist. you. I'm with you. Yeah. So besides the fog, there's the Bush Hall, whatever that is. Um, what are the names of the other rooms? I don't know, but I'll I'll label it later. <laughs> Uh, we're down in the basement, sitting in front of a, a big uh, video display of um, Ai Weiwei video. So it's just like a whole series of giant iPad tablets slapped on a wall, and they cycle through each of them. There's probably like 15, and they each cycle through hundreds of photographs of Ai Weiwei hanging out, um, taking the subway, taking sleeping a with a cat. Taking a shower, yeah, it's just basically just his photos from his phone, it looks like. But it, some of them are very entertaining. Uh, some are bad, some are entertaining. And that's pretty much what it's like to be in a museum. There's one photo that just went by that I would swear was his genitals, but hopefully not. Hopefully <laughs> you did I'm have several uh, stomach shots. Yeah, hopefully I'm wrong. Anyway. The big thing that is going on right now at the Harvard Art Museum is a, an exhibit of uh, pre-World War II German art, um, which we looked at, but none of them stuck out that much. <laughs> As I recall my history correctly, they probably were very depressed during that One period. of the paintings <laughs> They weren't exactly on a high note. Vicious. Like some of the paintings were interesting and you're like, oh, I see why people oppressed this painter. And then there was one painting at the end of the exhibit that was just viciously racist. And I was like, whoa, that's a little much. I can see why they put it at the end. They were end. upset. They just got their, you know, yeah, got beat up pretty bad. Stuck it way at the end. Anyway, there's been some nice things. We, we liked a lot of the uh, contemporary art section. Um, there was uh, some famous names in all four of the sections that we saw that were cool. Let's focus in on um, one of the first things, actually, that we saw. Our first episode of this podcast we went to the ICA and we saw this great big green strip that we talked about. Lo and behold, we come to the Harvard Art Museum and there's a piece called Curve X, very similar, basically a great big maroon strip 
that leans, it sits in the middle of the room and leans toward the wall instead of sitting on the wall and leaning out. But same idea, which I didn't realize that that poor lady at the ICA stole her idea. Painted it green, which is how I get most of my ideas. Oh. I, I steal from other people and just paint it green. And Perfect, works for me. And it's another person with Ellsworth Kelly from New York. So it's up here, it's an East Coast thing. Maybe. Giant slabs. Yes, yeah, stealing strip of colors. <laughs> Sounds like they an East Coast a giant slab. But it's called curved X and me being the literal person I am. I was looking for the curves and I didn't really see them. They are there. They, we were talking and it looks like they're very slightly curved. It's very slight. Very slightly. But it Super you, slight. Yeah, I mean, you're thinking you're going to call something curved X. Should make it curved. Yeah, it should be yeah. like crescent. It be real curvy. This is think. a big. Is it metal? They could have just called it not, slightly not that rectangular X. <laughs> <laughs> or slightly not that rectangular letter I because it's not. That's X. what it looks like. It's, it looks like a big exclamation point. Exactly. Yeah, anyway, <laughs> we were impressed to notice that somebody had made a similar piece much longer ago. It's from what the seventies. This one's from seventy-four, and the piece of the ICA. Is from like 2007. So uh, we're learning. That's you, what we noticed. For all you budding artists out there, uh, <laughs> watch consider, out. Consider the slab. They did uh, a lot of stuff of before you. That's what you need to know. <laughs> the contemporary art uh, section was pretty entertaining. You can. You really liked. Um, I was an Albers. Yeah. Yes. I'm. I, I'm. Uh, uh, let me get his name straight. Joseph Albers. So uh, Joseph Albers is well known for this whole series of paintings that are colored squares with slightly similar colored squares inside the colored squares. You've seen them. Everybody's um, seen them at some they're point. They're around. Yeah. yeah. There's a famous, uh, the, the one I, I think the yellow one is the most famous, but I'm not yeah. sure if that's true. Yeah, I couldn't say for sure. I'm more familiar with the green one. The green one? Yeah. Anyway, so here at uh, the Harvard Art Museum, they have a green one and also like a red slash blue one, yeah? Yep. Uh, one with more than one color. Yeah, uh, homage to the square. Homage to the square, that's Which the title for it. It's weird because it is just squares, it is a I square, guess. So but there's more than one, so then it can be an homage. Are the inside squares an homage? <laughs> To the outside. Square. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So one of them is blue with a little red square inside, and it, and the middle square is uh, vaguely brown, so that it looks like the, it looks like it's going down. If that You're makes any sense, it looks like it's shrinking or you're going to go through a funny tunnel. Yeah, exactly. And, and then the green one again, darker on the outside, lighter on the inside, so you have a real tunnel effect looking at the squares. Very simple. It stuck out to me. I'm a, I'm a uh, to the square. Four greens is called. Stuck out because I have four brothers and sisters. Oh, really? Last name the green. Four greens. I could buy that you for have, them. You should. I should buy that for them. That's and like your family wall, crest. And it'd be like our family portrait. That's so great. <laughs> the kid, I like that a lot. a picture of the kids, Mom. So you always want a picture of the kids. Here, Here we they are. are. The four greens. And she would ask me, what the hell is that? Yeah, <laughs> she'd probably be pissed. Like, <laughs> not what I was talking about. But I like yeah. how simple it is. Same. And I think actually very simple blocks of color can't be overestimated. It's very easy to underestimate how nice it is to just pay attention to a plain block of color. Exactly. And when you look at the paintings, especially the four greens here up close, there's no glass and you can really see the, like, you can tell that paint got put on there and then dried and it's thick and you can see the strokes and so on. And that's kind of cool 
so that you both get the experience of this big, simple block of color, but also it's very clearly a made thing. Exactly, and it's not perfect. It's not perfect. It seems perfect from far away, but it's not perfect when you get up close. I mean, I could get my T-square, if people still use those now. With computers, I still have T-squares. I don't even do. know if they do. Oh my God, I'm old. Oh, uh, man. <laughs> I'll get my protractor to help. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, but it, but you could easily repro you know, reproduce it yourself, but it's not the point. He, he made these squares, just painted them on there. And yeah. Yeah, you can see slight imperfections, which... It's one of those paintings that when you look at a picture of it, you're like, dude, I could pull that off in Photoshop in 20 seconds. But when you see it in person up close, it's actually a made very peculiar item and that in person. Exactly. Like I said, this is one of my, like I said, my family of, uh, I, I have a, I created my own family of artwork called the I Can Do That, which people always think they can do. I can do that splatter, I can do little just squares. Oh, do. sure. So this is in that family, but it's not that simple. And it's not. I'm learning to give these guys credit for. I was like that. I was one of those, I can do that. Trying to give them a little credit now. I was in a, in the 90s, I performed in a sound event called, I don't know what else it's called. It was not a concert. Or it was not a concert. It was absolutely not a concert. It was just a thing with some sound. And it was called, my five-year-old daughter could do that. And the idea was to do, they invited like 10 different people to play all at once in the corners of some building. And the idea was to do something simple enough that a five-year-old could pull it off and yet do something that people would really want to pay attention to. Were any five-year-olds there? There were no five-year-olds at all in attendance. <laughs> this should have, they should have made it mandatory to have a five-year-old there to come up afterwards and try to replicate it. And, and when this happened, I was in my 20s and I got really excited about it, so I made a program for it for everyone to hand out to the no people who showed up to the event. And uh, I think like three people. were beating on the door to Yeah, I think about three people noise making. Um, and I can't remember what I did for it, but I remember being, I worked really hard on that program, spent months on it, and I was very proud of it, and no one read it. <laughs> no one paid attention Not even it. a five-year-old. And I didn't plan anything for the actual event. <laughs> I think I just took like whatever was lying around at my house that day and just like bossed it for the actual event. Real dumb. So, I have, the reason I tell you this story is because it is harder than you might imagine to do something very simple on purpose. Yes. And that's the thing, most of the people say I can do that and I'm one of those people have never attempted to do that. Yeah. So, until you and attempt you to do, do it. And when you do, you find out yeah. that it's really easy to screw yeah. it up. That's it. So, yeah, Adults I aren't, aren't that good at it. Nope. <laughs> no, especially this adult, new, you know, but. Yes, I so anyway, the simplicity. Yeah, the Albert's Green is nice. And thank and you for the family portrait. Uh, it's Joseph great. Albers. It's a great family portrait. Uh, other museums have, I, I went to a museum in Buffalo last year that had uh, the yellow one. I don't know if there's an all red one or not. There, I don't know how many there Ooh. are of that. So I'm saying there's a chance I could uh, slip in there. Yeah. Steal some of his thunder. Yeah. Oh, wow. You could make one of just like blue ellipses. Ooh, I'm on it. <laughs> get out. Get me out of here. <laughs> Take that Albers in your face. <laughs> so when did Joseph Albers do the green squares? In 64, which... In 1964. Yeah, nice. Which I was already born, but that's a whole other story. And where did he live? He lived in 
Pretty live in. He was in Germany, uh, and then New Haven, Connecticut, which is. That's got to be a bummer of a move. Well, I think it's a lateral move. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, New Haven. I guess that depends on what part of Germany. I was thinking it was a down move, but yeah, maybe a lateral move. Yeah, I think it's probably about the same. That's funny. But yeah, that he got around and said he died in '76. And these are from the, it's 64, Um, but the earliest one is from 55. 55. It's fascinating that it took him nine years to go from a blue-red square to an all-green square. I wonder if each square, how long it took to do each one. Maybe that was going to last. This one was done in 56. I want to know how he survived monetarily in between all those years. Nobody just gives you a ton of money to make green squares. (laughs) Well, he made me smaller, like just a square. <laughs> he painted a square and then just sold that somewhere. That like, seems you know. possible, sure. Yeah. And you got sure. enough money together to put four squares together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's possible. It's funny. I just imagine some guy, like imagine going to New Haven in like 1961 and meeting some guy who painted a painting in Germany like eight years ago and he's still just kind of cruising along and he's not even going to make the next painting for another three or four years what a douche he must and have seen it was like. exactly that you say like oh let me see your early work here oh, what are you working on now <laughs> <laughs> really seriously joseph come on man <laughs> so uh, i think the lesson there is that all those uh, man bun people you meet in brooklyn might not be that bad sometime down the line long after they're dead they might have something that they made that was cool, and you just don't know. Give them a break. Give them a break. And <laughs> circles. I'm just throwing that out there. Somebody, free idea, circles. Free idea. Put circles inside circles. Someone probably did that. You yeah, think? Somebody must have gotten to that. They had to. But uh, who knows? Maybe not. Maybe not. You, this could be your chance. You could put it out and call it homage to four squares and make a mint. <laughs> or round and round and round and round. Potato thing. Oh, the potato thing. So one That's of the what we're calling it, by the way, potato yeah, thing. Yeah, we make up our own names for things because we're not that good at it. Uh, so one of the pieces that we both liked was by Victor Grippo. It's called Analogia. Analogia? Analogia. One. It's from 1970. And I think it's basically a big display of little boxes. And each little box has a potato in it and then some electrical conductors stuck into the potato. And it's not glassed off. You can just see the potatoes. And the real thing that I want to know is how long have those potatoes been sitting there? Because some of them are looking a little gray. And some of them have those little tubers that potatoes will grow if you just leave them lying around your kitchen. Potato eyes. Potato eyes, yeah. yeah. But none of them have rotted. And none of them have, like, turned into a other substance that isn't a potato anymore. And... Presumably, that stuff's been sitting around since the early 70s. Well, this is a, this is a variation. This is, this, the whole potato clock, you ever know those things? No, tell me about the potato the clock. Potato, oh, my God. The potato clock, a stupid experiment. that, And they would actually sell the stuff to make a potato clock. But anyway, potatoes supposed to give off, I guess, some kind of electricity. Right, they have vegetative electricity. So the potato clock, you 
plug these two prongs into the thing and it runs a clock, which supposedly is going to wake you up in the morning, but I wouldn't trust my right. you know, working life to a potato. Right, it's you make a battery silly. out of a potato. It's like a yeah. classic junior high exactly. school experiment. And so I'm assuming that this is some variation of that. He's testing, right. he has a, the, 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 art, the artwork has like a meter right. next to it. And he said, this is some of his artwork you can actually manipulate yourself, but I don't know if this is one. I wasn't going to reach out and yeah we were I, we, I wanted to know whether the potatoes were fucked up but i did not want to touch them to find out <laughs> but yeah there's like what is it 40 potatoes i think there are 40 yeah potatoes there's a bunch with, with, and and they are it's a whole in, grid in a decent i mean they're not the best looking potatoes i've ever seen but they're in a they're they not still rotten recognizable yeah. as potatoes and if they've been sitting there since 1971 i want to know how that's now, really could fascinating these, could the electricity be, could just be sending electricity back to the potato and oh, keeping maybe. it alive. It's some maybe. kind of like a, a... Oh, maybe they're like brains that have been kept alive. Like a Franken potato. Did you read the news? I read in the news yesterday that they woke up a dead person's brain recently, like without the person anymore. Ooh. They like took I've it out, that. put it I on a table, waited a couple days, and then turned it back on and it wow. worked. Did it think anything? I don't you, know. I don't know how they knew well, that it worked. Yeah, I was going to say, how do you know? I don't know. I don't know how they knew that it worked. But wow. they thought it did, and everybody was like, oh, that's fucked up. And it's like, well, it's not any more fucked up than them doing it. Can you imagine if they did <laughs> with 40 brains? <laughs> 40 brains, and then they're all that's plugged That's the in. next step from that's that piece of see. art. That's what I want to see. The potatoes Bunch are of nice brains. and stuff, yeah. Powerful brain. But yeah, it's. I'm trying to figure out how to keep them going. I mean, do they change now, see, the potatoes every night? Instead of analogia, why didn't he call the piece zombie potato? <laughs> So much Because I was saving it for my band. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> I was holding it for my band name, if you don't mind. Um, Ken's band, Zombie Potato, and his other band, The Four Greens. <laughs> but I'm trying to figure out where, let's see, he, they don't mention how they keep them alive. What's the guy's name? Victor Grippo. Victor Grippo, and he made this in 71, electronic circuits, electric, and it's listed as one of the materials used. Electric, electrics, electric, Electric circuits, electric meter, and switch, potatoes, ink, paper, paint, and wood. And that's it. Okay, so he built a box, put some potatoes in, plugged them in. And it doesn't say, I, I don't know, I, I should have asked one of the museum guards, it's his job to, like, at night, change the potatoes. No, those potatoes were definitely old. Oh, boy. A couple of them were totally gray. I would think, this is sad, I would think they'd be in a, A, I think they'd be in worse shape. Yeah. Rot, and B, covered in flies. Something. It'd be flies all in like this gallery. Like, you can... <laughs> They have those things, like they have a, like, okay, Louis Pasteur discovers pasteurization and some, some sort of like 16th, 17th century experiment to see whether food rots or not. Mm -hmm. One of the experiments is just this nice, like, ship in a bottle piece of glass and there's right. a steak in it. And the way the bottle is shaped, it just keeps the air from fucking up the steak. <laughs> and so it's like a 400-year-old steak that just sits there and is perfectly safe. I love a good well And it's just like a steak. little, it's just like a, a glass that you would put a ship in, like a big bottle, right. with like a curvy spout. And that is all it takes to keep things from rotting, apparently. And I don't know why we use refrigerators when we could just have a bunch of spouts lying around. But apparently <laughs> that's a true thing. Do you have to like break the bottle if you want to eat a steak then? I, I guess you do. Oh, I don't know. Well, maybe you could like, they could make a lid part. I don't know. <laughs> try to refrain from having glass in my steak, which sure, I'll try to Sure, sure. I, they'd make it out of milk bottle plastic by now. Oh, okay. 
Anyway, uh, that's apparently a, a possible thing. So that would be a way to keep these potatoes safe, but that's not happening. They're just in the air. They're open, yeah, exactly. <laughs> there should be bugs and everything else crawling around these you things. Gotta be, yeah. We don't know. So Maybe they're sprayed with some artist. hairspray. Kind of like polyurethane <laughs> potatoes. Yeah. That's what I would try is, is Aquanet. <laughs> Aquanet. If I wanted something to die me. forever and be like saved in that state forever and ever, Aquanet would be Aquanet. my chemical of choice. Because well, I've that. used it on my face and it definitely works. Wait a minute, what? Why would you use Aquanet? Well, because it gets oh, on your face if you spray your hair. Oh. Yeah, my mother had that stuff too. I it's gross. Yeah, it's nasty. Yeah. Anyway, the potatoes are great. Yeah, I like them. Victor Grippo, Argentinian, he's from Buenos Aires. And he, come and see the potatoes. Come to Harvard, see yeah, the potatoes. Yeah, it's worth seeing, that's, that's just because slogans, of all the artworks here, that's one, I don't even know how they did that, you know? That's I'm very intrigued. Fascinating. Look up and I'm not sure what you're supposed to get out of it other than the wonder of the fact that potatoes do weird things. Yeah, he doesn't even, yeah, I'm reading the description, it doesn't like, you have like a, this symbolizes this, nope, just potatoes, indigenous to Latin America. There's a man who used what he had at the time, and that was it. That's yes, what I, have. I like that about him. I like him. He's a very, uh, it's pragmatic. Very pragmatic, and also, uh, it's uh, nutritious as well. Yeah, you know, I guess. I, I wouldn't eat that. <laughs> Of um, one of the things in the one of the last pieces in the contemporary art exhibit is this great big uh, wall-sized mural from Germany uh, that depicts the Heinrich Heine Street subway station and its surrounding neighborhood. It's by Corinne Wasmuth, uh, and it's right. made in 2009. And it's called 50 Uhrenrich Hand Street. So it's an address. Strasse. Strasse, thank you. My year of German comes Well done, Thanks. well done. So anyway, it looks for all the world, uh, I hated it. it it's, <laughs> it's this big, it looks exactly like something that local construction people would like poster over the fence that they are making in front of the construction to keep you from being annoyed that there's a big fence there. It's that when they do those murals, of like you can tell it's cheaply pasted together in like, well, it's gonna be this tall building, so we have this like clip out of a tall building. But right. they, they put some people walking by and the grass is cut. And it's just like a very digital, screensavery, uh, pixelated photo, like a couple of angles on the same intersection of an urban street stitched together. Exactly. And then all of the faces of the people are whited out. It doesn't look like there were any people of color in the photo to begin with, but just in case, they whited out all the people's faces. And it is but ugly. It looks like <laughs> it's not as perfect as those like corporate, you know, soon to be on this site paintings. So close. But it looks like that same picture like five months later when construction has been delayed yes. because, because of like a union strike or something like yes. that. And the, so it's kind of washed off like of the rain and, and snow and like the, you know, rotten tomatoes from the angry union members. Real visual yeah. garbage. Yeah. I can't understand why they put that in a museum at all. It is very uh, like a transit thing. It's like, yeah. uh, uh, you know, look at this. And I mean, it, at least when you see that in a subway hallway, you're like, hey, they're trying to make it nicer for me to be here. 
but in an art museum, they're trying to make it worse for you to be here. <laughs> That's not fun. It's like not, it's not one of those I could have done it things, but it's no, one of those I would never have done. I could have done this with a, some Photoshop, but I would have thrown it out. And I, I try to get what, what's the meaning behind what, what it? And I read the description they have on it. But what does the description say? It says uh, the. Oh, I got it right here. Uh, it's. The cacophonous sights and sounds, the fragmentation of the characters, and it's supposed to like just be disorienting, like it's uh, right. It's supposed to be make you feel like you're in a busy city. That's a real happy place. It sucks. <laughs> oh, so you like how like all the like you know the chaos of the city, but it and, and it does that, but not in the way I don't think they intended. Without yeah. Intended. Yeah. It does it in a way that reminds me of like the, the like you said the. the Corporate. Let's make this look good. So when we like, you know, you know. If there's one thing that I ask of a piece of art, it's that it not make me want to be mean to the next barista I see, and that that piece definitely does that. It just makes me want to like knock someone down. It's it does. So it bad. makes me like, hate people. Yeah. It makes me hate people. That, that yeah. Me, I, so the opposite of art. I am. That's just like. Although was maybe that was the intention. To make, well, make you hate people. it's great uh, for yeah. Germany, but come on. <laughs> <laughs> it's great for Germany. You know how, they, you know how much they hate people. I mean, they are doing a big exhibit here about German expressionism, so yeah. maybe that's why they hung it up. They express it very well. It's, so, yeah, it yeah, just expresses like, like urban yeah. mental decay so well. So, so bad. Scale of one to ten. We get it. Have I seen, one, I have not seen anything that bad in a while. <laughs> The wor one of the worst things I've seen in a lot, uh, like to really get to zero, I have to spend more time with a piece than I would I had to spend with this. But if I had to spend months looking at this, I'd be furious. Here's the well. Again, I don't know the artist's intent. She said this that scene was painted from the artist's longtime home. Now, if who that, does that to people? <laughs> Move! Maybe if that's she, what you're seeing out your window, fucking move! Or paste over the say, window. She obviously hated where she lived. She got tired of the people there. Yeah. Yeah, moving would have been a good idea. I hear New Haven, Connecticut is a great place to move to <laughs> once you leave Germany. I don't know. I'm just saying. She nice. didn't think about that. She's fairly young, 64. So, yeah. Crazy. Born in 1964. Oh. So, that seems. Uh, I have so many. Uh, so Corinne, Corinne, if you listen to this, Corinne, if you listen to this podcast, we don't like you, Corinne. <laughs> I was going to invite her to get away from Germany, but <laughs> yeah, go somewhere else, anywhere else for the better of you. You could do better. Oh, Corinne, I'm going to give you a break this time, Corinne. But just you know, move you, away from you, the corporate you, stuff. You don't like people. Do apples or something. Do uh, you know? Can you like a steel like bike? if you know how they say that people have internalized misogyny? That's like internalized corporatism. <laughs> Basically, I, I, this is what I think of this painting. I think it's like the band REM, but for paintings. <laughs> Hate it. Hate it. You don't like all these shiny, happy people in this painting? Yeah, that's exactly what they look like. It's exactly, would have been great cover art for an REM single. So bad. I did not take it as hard as that, but I, I can see your point. <laughs> you, you have convinced me that Corinne should just stop painting, put down the brush. She can paint something. I mean, I, I bet she makes money. <laughs> <laughs> she probably does. She's probably yeah, doing just fine. I'm like, I'm like, All right, Corinne. Well, 
I hope we okay, so you we like her. I hope you're running you one day. Do you have anything else that you liked that you want to talk oh, about? Oh, I there were things. Oh, well, there was a. Oh yeah, there was, was a very a, vaginal Georgia O'Keeffe painting. We mentioned the, <laughs> <laughs> we mentioned all the great famous artists they have at the Harvard Art Museum, and they do have the top the names you know. Like if you even even a casual art person fan would know, and they have this Georgia O'Keeffe, what's called. Uh, <laughs> Red and pink. Wow, what a shock. <laughs> and from 1925. From 1925. So it's a very early abstract painting. And I think that she made it by like cutting up rose petals or something. I think. Well, uh, let's see. I'll read you the brief description here. Uh, if I can pull up. Um, it was reproduced in an advertisement for colorful textile designs for a company. The silk manufacturing, Cheney Brothers Silk Manufacturing Company. So this is more corporate than old, uh, uh, what's the name, from Germany. I can see that. That painting looks like, like the veins of someone who is about to have a heart attack and or alien vaginas. It is not the kind of thing that makes a lady want to buy a scarf. <laughs> She achieved the abstraction by enlarging and cropping the cascading petals of a flower beyond recognition in a manner that recalls the close-up techniques of modernist photography. Uh, and it was an approach she employed on large-scale paintings, uh, etc. Southwest. The oh, the vibrant, undulating forms insinuate a wide range of organic structures. <laughs> Here we go. From the anatomy of flora. What a the, nice way to say vagina. <laughs> to the composition of flames. To the sanguine recesses of the body. <laughs> you nailed it. <laughs> you nailed it. <laughs> sanguine recesses of the body? Yeah. I don't, I that think means it looks more, alien vaginas. I think it looks more like, like if you, a real closer, like inside of a heart. Yes, it does look like that. That after some would have been. Like It'd be a really more, good still. Do you remember that '70s movie? Uh, maybe it's called Inner Space, where they they go into oh. a little tiny spaceship. Yep, yep, yep. yep. Donald Pleasance yeah. is in it, and oh, they like. Oh, you're, you're, oh, oh. Yes, I know the movie. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, they travel up the guy's veins. It, this is what the outside of the ship looked like, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it looks like what they go through when they're like very feminine, but not at all pleasant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, really and I, I kind of like it for that. That's yeah. kind of cool. Yeah, and I can see why it made George O'Keefe, uh, why you would be like, wow, this lady can do stuff. Yeah, she, and like I said, she had a one track mind, <laughs> so to speak, because having seen other things, I'm like, okay, well, she's, uh, does she ever paint like a, I guess she did do landscapes, but those kind of look like other parts of the body, I'm sure. Like, uh, yeah, ladies who have <laughs> things about bodies, that's that tree line sure. look like a penis? I don't know, just Georgia, <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> Good old Georgia. It's <laughs> one track mind. It but happens. Look, when I told you, you said earlier, we were talking, you know, living with this. I don't want to speculate about what old guys can do, but you know. But we all know what they can't wandered. do. Yeah. <laughs> her mind was wandering, so here we go. Painting funny. turned out like that. I don't know. But yeah, red and pink from 1925. Red and pink from 1925? Cool. One of the ones that I really liked uh, was called The End of the World, uh, El Fin del Mundo. Uh, by David Alfaro Siqueiros. 
Uh, he's from Mexico and he painted it in 1936. So what can I tell you about the description here? Basically, this is a painting uh, that is slightly 3D. It, um, I tried to take a picture of it both from the front and from the angle so you could see how it literally, uh, David, or Mr. Siqueiros, or whatever his name is, he basically was like, hey, painting should be more visceral. It should come right out of the canvas at you. Not that far from Viennese actionists in his idea. Um, and what he painted was a great big rock <laughs> with, that is like, the, has the middle cut out of it. And then there's fire everywhere behind it. Off to the side, you can see a building that has been blown up. And then there's these 3D pebbles covering the ground and a little, little tiny dude right at the mouth of the big 3D rock who's obviously very upset. That was <laughs> <laughs> the end of the world, of course. So it's, it's called The End of the World, and the little dude is hilarious looking. He's very tiny and very sad. And clearly, this painting was made... Uh, our painter, uh, David, was a raging communist, so much of a communist that he was like... What I need is to tell people about things like off the edge of a painting. That's how communist, like very severe. And, <laughs> and I love that he did so, and then he made the rocks 3D, and the little tiny guy is one of the only things in the painting that's not 3D. He's just this teeny, teeny, tiny, helpless little dude in a red sweater. So I thought it was cool. I like the... Um, I like the color palette a lot. It reminds me of 60s albums that I like. It's really lurid and kind of dumb. It's got a, it's got like... It has a Ronnie James Dio kind of feel to yeah, it. Yeah, it does. <laughs> you know how in 1960s European movies, blood is like paint colored instead of blood colored? That's the color red that he used in this painting. And I find that very amusing and entertaining. Uh, I like it when people get blood colors wrong. I like a tactile, good tactile painting where you can just like it. Yeah, it's very right tactile. It's like... It literally comes off the canvas at you. And so it looks cool when you walk by because there's a shadow to it that shouldn't be there and you notice it immediately. So I liked that one. And I also just find people who are so into, like, anyone who takes a leftist political view to the extreme that they can't function as a regular person is somebody I consider on my team, you know? That is someone that I cannot dislike. Like somebody who ruins their lives with their politics. I like it's this. just an entertaining person. <laughs> I like this technique. I, I couldn't go as far as that. Like it's a very depressing painting. It's, like, it's a depressing the dude was probably old, a bummer to talk to. you have you know, conditions, I wouldn't bring them to see this painting because they're going to yeah. be more depressed. Yeah. Or their questionable states of mind. Don't bring them to see this painting. Just, you know. I wouldn't even let them look at it a book. I would just probably just describe it to them as much as I could and then walk away. Uh, it's very depressing. The technique is excellent. I uh, like, you know, not, to, not enough artists use rocks, actual rocks. In yeah, painting. there's actual little rocks yeah, in there. He rocks made... Skull, but, I mean, uh, Put them right on there in the canvas. Yeah. He made little tiny rocks for it. That's kind of cool. He was not happy with things, apparently. No. Well, I think part of it was about the... I think there was a war where he was. There was a war? A war? 
<laughs> yeah, or the war that is continually across the world. It right. is town. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, that's the kind of thing that'll make you into a communist painter. So, he's pretty cool. I like his rock textures. He gets a lot of different rock textures in there. And the top of the painting has just a little bit of green so that you can tell that the fire is engulfing something. I thought that was a symbol of a tiny bit of hope. And now you took that away from me. <laughs> a little bit of hope away from me. Whoops. Oh, sorry, sorry, Ken. That's just, that's just land that hasn't burned down yet. Sorry, we'll get there in a minute. <laughs> so it's very amusing. It actually, when you look at it from far away, it looks a little bit like a frame from a He-Man cartoon. It's very lurid and cartoonish. And I like the juxtaposition of how cartoonish and joyful the style is and the composition is with how depressing the subject matter is. And That's really like entertaining. The little to guys me. in front of a tunnel. I thought like it was a train tunnel at first. Yeah, who like, knows what the like, big rock thing is. Like, it the could little be guys the, like, I made it out alive. And then the train, boom. boom. Yeah, it could be an God. entrance to the underworld. Hard to say. The one thing I also like is that whenever you see people depict bad, like a bad time, they almost always reference Hieronymus Bosch. Almost yes. always. And this <laughs> best doesn't. Yeah. This doesn't. This is a oh, non-Boschy, like, end of the world kind of thing. And that, to me, like that, I, you know, yeah. I'm just like, hand over heart whenever somebody does that. Because I'm just like, do you, a, a, uh, you thought for yourself <laughs> about how bad things are, buddy. Good for you. We should do a special end of the world painting art uh, episode. It's all about paintings that like the like end of the world. Yeah, the way the art exhibits are always named really badly, so it's, it, would, it would be like dystopia, modern landscapes <laughs> no, from this like year to this that year. And slash. Dystopia. <laughs> <laughs> you can't just say the word. Come on. That's so funny. The other thing that I picked was actually a photograph. Uh, oh, here it is. Uh, let's see what I can tell you about it. <laughs> it is by Todd Hedo. It's from 2001, and it doesn't have a name. It's just called number 2810. Uh, Todd apparently takes lots and lots of photographs. He mostly photographs little buildings at night, like little suburban buildings at night that are self-contained. And if you've ever lived in the suburbs, then you know that at night, what happens is you drive around and there's a whole bunch of buildings with lights on inside and you can see right in. <laughs> and it looks like everyone is living in little glass bubbles. And so he takes pictures of that. Uh, so he has a bunch of little buildings where you can see the light coming out from the building, but the background is dark, so it looks really nice. It's always like a little island of light. And then because they're photographs, they're in uh, black frames with glass over them and they reflect everything that's in the room whenever you look at them. So you can always see, I guess he just picks particularly, I don't know, reflective glass or some such thing. So anyway, like you literally have a hard time taking a picture of this photograph because you're always gonna get like an exit sign or another person's shape or something like that in the photograph glass. And I just like that he is constantly taking photos of little islands of hope that's nice. It's very sweet. See, no, I'm not falling for that again. You're trying to do the little green one. No, I'm not. I, I, I like these photos. But, uh, okay. But, uh, and I like that they're photos of, like, like, it's very hard to photograph light because light's moving around. It's sort of changing and it's hard to, like, capture it in a camera. 
And this guy, he takes photos like of all, the backgrounds are always just these like amazing sh dark shapes that you can identify <clears throat> because you're used to identifying things with your brain. You can like move, move the patterns into something that makes sense, but it's really hard to figure out what they are. So it's kind of there's just you know it just has nice shapes in it. I don't know how much does he he doesn't set up. I don't know. I've seen. I don't know anything about it. I want to be curious. Like we, I mean, it's, I, I've seen a few of them stuff, and it, and it reminds me a little like you mentioned the. I don't see the island of hope. I see islands of despair and anguish <laughs> and like loneliness now, and like like it's like an Edward Hopper's Nighthawks kind of thing. It's yeah, like that. yeah. It's like a nighttime Edward Hopper no every that time. Picture that, that painting is just it is, these are the same. It's like you know oh, the loneliness of man or something. Right. Like, we're all alone. We're all in Give a bubble. <laughs> you know, just sitting in a room with your I little bear nice, light bulb. <laughs> with your little bear light bulb. How did you feel? How did you go so from... So quickly, wait, no, no, we're no, no, learning back up, back up. that <laughs> when you set a forest on fire, Ken sees hope and I see darkness. But when you have a lighted house at night, a lighted trailer at night, I see the hope and Ken sees darkness. I see despair. So, I see loneliness, sadness, and eventually and suicide. And I think it's so nice. <laughs> it's just a matter of time. When, person, when you're riding on a train and you see like a house and you just want a little light in the middle of the country, nowhere, that person probably be dead in a few months. I look at it that way. See, I always look at that and I'm like, oh, they're hanging on. <laughs> they're still in there. It's the one little light that hasn't gone out yet. The futility of their existence will eventually overwhelm them. Sure. <laughs> and they're going to sure. go out to the thresher and just turn it on, throw themselves in front of it. Great. I think that's true. Uh, and I, I guess, um, I don't know, we're learning our worldviews. <laughs> Which yeah, is part of why we do this, you know? It's, it's part true. of why it's cool to go to museums. Uh, because you get to learn whether or not you are as hopeful as your friends. <laughs> <laughs> and in what way? So you, you choose your friends by the pain they choose. <laughs> That's my advice from now on. Great, so. great. Uh, uh, yeah, so those are some of the things that we liked at the Harvard Art Museum. Uh, the Harvard Art Museum has been here a really long time. Um, both of the, like the various museums cropped up, uh, various parts of the building that are different sections of the museum, cropped up at different times, but they're all like 100 years old. So. They've been here forever. They'll probably still be here by the time you're listening to this podcast. And so you can come and see stuff like this for yourself. Uh, they have cool exhibits here. The Harvard uh, Film Archive is right next door. They have cool avant-garde films there. And um, it is not impossible to get to this place. <laughs> it's very, actually relatively fairly easy considering I yeah really and it's not super around. expensive yeah. and it's one of the nice things Boston and even though I've lived in Boston many years I've never been here before <laughs> she did this great little ad for it I've never been here before <laughs> so uh, we hope that you find your little light to hang on to in a dark landscape <laughs> <laughs> Even if it's the end of the world or just some gas station in the middle of nowhere. We hope you find your uh, sliver of forest that has not been burned to crisps yet. <laughs> Art uplifts. <of> <laughs> and we hope that you do not have to look at any uh, corporate subway art anytime soon. Or alien vaginas. Or, uh... Yeah, I, I'm pro-alien vaginas. <laughs> I gotta say, look at as many of those as you want to. They're probably excited to have you look at them. <laughs> Great. And
and can laugh or die. Yay, thanks for listening.